Hey, welcome today to all of our different churches, all of our network churches, those of you from countries all over the world at Church Online. We're in the second week of a four-week series called Alter Ego. Uh, this is based on my brand new book called Alter Ego, Becoming Who God Says You Are. Uh, if you're at a Life Church location, these are available today uh, for half off the cover price. And if you pick one up, I hope that it really ministers to you or whomever you decide to give it to. Let's talk about it. Alter, if you'll notice, Alter is spelled A-L-T-A-R. Uh, this is an altar. If you know anything about church history, you know um, all the way back into the Old Testament, an altar was a place where people would lay something down before God. It's a place where we would make a sacrifice to God. And ego is who we think we are. It's what we think about ourselves. And unfortunately, so many of us, we have an inaccurate view of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves, or we think too lowly of ourselves, and we don't really know who we're supposed to be. So in this message series, what we're gonna try to do is sacrifice who we think we are so we can become who God says we are. We're gonna lay down different characteristics of our ego on the altar of God so we can become who God says we are. And I wanna show you where we're going in this series, where we've been and where we're going, if you're taking notes. Last week, by faith, we decided to lay down our feelings of inadequacy. And we saw that God sees more in us than we think. God has given us more than we think, and it's less about us than we think. Today what we're gonna do is we're gonna lay down our need for control. Next week is my personal favorite of the four weeks. We're gonna lay down our right to be offended. We live in a culture where people are looking for reasons to be offended, and we're gonna see um, why that mindset actually offends the heart of God, and I believe God will speak to many of you in a really significant way as he has to me. And then the fourth week will probably be the most broadly helpful as we're gonna lay down our longing for approval because we know the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us is to become obsessed with what people think about us, and that's where so many of us are living. Let's dive in today, and by faith, we're gonna try to lay down our need for control. I'd like to ask all of you at all of our different churches, you guys in Stillwater, Oklahoma, play along with me, you all in Fort Worth, Texas, all of our network churches, how many of you in some area of your life, you really like to be in control? Raise your hands up right now, raise them up high. If you find yourself trying to raise the hand of the person sitting next to you, you need to take really good notes because this message is specifically for you. It's really interesting to me how almost everybody I know, we try to control some area of our lives. And there are some pockets that we're really control freaks in those areas, but then there are other areas where we really aren't at all. For example, some of you, you may be really controlling at work. Everything's gotta be just the way you want it, but at home, you're rather laid back. Then you may be sitting next to someone and they're the exact opposite. At home, man, it's, I mean, do it this way or die! You know, but at work, they're rather relaxed. 
Uh, it could be some of you, you're very controlling about your finances. You need to know where every single penny goes, but when it comes to your children, you just kind of let them run off and don't even try to really influence them much at all. You're controlling in some areas and not in others. Um, in our family, uh, Amy, she's rather laid back when it comes to what I would consider major life direction decisions. She just trusts God, trusts me, trusts that we'll make the right decision, and she doesn't get uptight at all. But when it comes to her kitchen, oh dear Jesus, okay, She's got more laws than the Pharisees did. They had 613. I mean, she's got laws for every portion of the kitchen. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. There's like, you can't turn the water pressure on past a certain amount for a certain amount of time. And I mean, she's into it, okay? Me, I don't care about the kitchen. Whatever you say goes. But when it comes to the remote control, there is only one person in our house ordained by God to handle this very important piece of spiritual machinery, and that is yours truly, the divine remote controller of the universe. Because every man knows it's not so much about what's on as what else might be on. And so we can sincerely watch 12 to 14 different shows at one time. It is a God-given gift to those who are chosen, you know? And so it's interesting how we really do get riled up about some things and then in other areas we don't. And if we look at our lives, we'll find that we typically will try to control two broad categories of things. Most of us, we try to control people or we try to control circumstances. We try to control people. There may be someone in your life where there's one or two things about them that you just don't like. Uh, there's the saying that God loves people and has a wonderful plan for their lives. In this area, you're like God. You love people and have a wonderful plan for their lives. You wanna help them see what you see and get them to do what you want them to do. And so you will manipulate, you will bribe, you will offer rewards, or you will withhold rewards. You'll use passive aggressive behavior. You might even threaten without even knowing it. So often we will try to manipulate the behavior of others because we really believe we know what's best and we want to control those around us. It may be your coworkers, it may be those who work for you, it may be your children, it may be your spouse, but we want to be in control. We also will try to control the circumstances, okay? We want to look just right. We want our houses to be just perfect. We want our kids, when they go out in public, to be the perfect representation of us in every single way. We want to control our schedules and the future and the schedules of the people that we love. We want to control what other people think of us. We want to control people and we want to control circumstances. And why do we want to be in control? Because our ego is out of control. Because we really believe that we know what's best, that in your life we're godlike. In our circumstances, 
we're godlike because we so know what is the right thing to do that it is our right to enforce what we know should happen. In fact, Ken Blanchard, he says that ego, E-G-O, spells edging God out. Edging God out. I so know what is right that I'm going to force it and not trust God. I'm gonna edge God out. In fact, for those of you that are control freaks, you have a theme verse. This Proverbs 3, um, verses five and six, and I've given it to you from the CFV translation. And this is how your theme verse goes. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All of our different churches, you all in Owasso, help me out. Trust in the Lord with? some of your heart, and lean on your own what? The, the, this version says, lean on your own understanding. In how many of your ways? Everybody say loud, Wellington, Florida, come on, give me some love. In what? In some of your ways, acknowledge God and what's gonna happen, and you will make your path straight. The CFV, the control freak version. <laughs> now, some of you, you may not have been around the church or the Bible, and you hear that and you go, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, sounds like a good plan for me. But I need to tell you honestly, that's not what the, the real um, translation says. The real translation tells us that we should trust in God with how much of our heart? With, with all of it. And we should never lean on our own understanding because we don't know that much, but in all of our ways, we should acknowledge him, and not us, but he will make our paths straight. What's really interesting is the more that we try to control something, the more we fear losing control. And the more we fear losing control, the more we try to keep control, and suddenly we spiral into a cycle of fear. Many of you right now, you're thinking, mm, I hope old so-and-so's listening because they really need to hear this, okay? The challenge is control is very difficult to see in the mirror. It's very hard for us to see our own need for control in the mirror because we legitimately think that we know what is best. We're edging God out and we don't even know it. So what I wanna do today is um, give you an example of control gone bad, and then we're gonna ask three questions that honestly can be application questions that you take with you to apply to this area for the rest of your lives. Uh, let me show you a story from the Old Testament about a couple uh, originally named Abram and Sarai, their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, who had a tremendous problem like most of us with wanting to control the outcome of certain situations. Uh, you can read one story early on in their lives when um, Abram was worried about Sarai's safety, uh, thinking that some men might do something inappropriate to her, and so rather than trusting her to God, he took control and he lied about who she was and said, hey, she's really my sister, and he took control as they often did. The biggest example, though, is when God said um, to them, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be the parents of many nations. You're going to have so many descendants, it's going to be more than the, than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. And God promised this childless couple who for years 
They were unable to conceive. God says, you're going to give birth, and there's going to be many nations born from you. Incredible promise. But when God didn't immediately do what God promised to do, over time, Abraham and Sarah did what so many of us do. They tried to take control of their own destiny, and they stepped over God's promise. We see this in Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps what? Everybody read this aloud. Perhaps I can build a family through her. In other words, I know God promised, but he's not doing it in my timing. Therefore, I am going to take control because I know what's best. I'm going to edge God out, and I'm going to take control. There are two things to remember from this story and two things to never forget. Thing number one, whatever you do, never, ever, ever, ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. Right? And number two, don't ever forget rule number one, okay? <laughs> Abram broke both those rules, and this is what the story says. The text goes on. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So, verse three, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took uh, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. He slept with Hagar, she conceived. When they edged God out, um, it's impossible to describe all the chaos what taking control did, not just in their lives, but for centuries and centuries to come. In fact, if you read on in the story, um, Hagar gave birth to a son named Ishmael, and sometime later, God did bless Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac. And there was more tension than you can imagine between Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. And here we are, centuries later, and the descendants of Ishmael, the Palestine, uh, Palestinians, are um, still often at war with the descendants of Isaac, the Jews. And there's entire wars, and you've got, the, you've got Muhammad um, from the lineage of Ishmael, and then you've got Isaac and the Christians. And here you see all this world chaos, and it all traces back to when a couple decided to take control and to edge God out. Now, chances are all of you are sitting there going, okay, I understand that, but I'm never going to sleep with my maidservant called Hagar. Don't even have a maidservant. But what you are going to do is you may be a single girl, and the clock is ticking, and you love Jesus and want a Christian man, but since there is no Christian man around, you settle for a man. And you just say, hey, he's good enough for now. I'll try to make this work. And you force something, you manipulate it, you compromise, and you settle for something that's less than God's best because you're going to take control and you're going to edge God out. Or it may be financially. Uh, you're a strong follower of Jesus. And you know that, that the tithe belongs to God. But you rationalize, you compromise, you take control, and you say, well, we'll do that later once we're out of, of debt. Or we just, we're not gonna do that at all. And you take control of something that really belongs to God, and you edge God 
out. Or maybe you want something and you want it bad, but you can't afford it. So what do you do? You edge God out and you manipulate it. You find some way to borrow and you make a very bad long-term decision for a short-term benefit because you're gonna edge God out and you're gonna make it happen one way or the other. Here's the big application question I wanna ask you, and I want all of you to participate. Really, really important. I want you to ask yourself and be very, very honest and write something down on your notes, confess it to your life group, uh, talk about it with those you love, and here's the question, what are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? What is it that you're trying to control? Is it people, you know, your children, uh, maybe it's your grown children. Maybe it's the way your grown children raise your grandchildren because they're not doing it right, okay? Uh, maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your image. Maybe it's what people think about you. I want you to go ahead and take a moment and write down, what am I trying to control? Or you can sit back and say, I'm not doing this stupid exercise. This is stupid. I'm not going to do stupid. I'm not writing anything down. I don't even like this. I'm not going to do it. Okay, very good. You stay in control and prove my point, okay? What are you trying to control? And when you identify this in your life, I want to give you three questions that you can ask over and over and over again that I really believe can help you learn to lay down what you're trying to control and trust it to God. The first question we're gonna ask is this, is it worth my concern? All of our churches ask that aloud. Is it worth my concern? I need you to do it, all of our churches. Come on, you at Edmund, do it aloud. Is it worth my concern? In fact, one time whenever Jesus was visiting the house of Mary and Martha, Martha was trying to control something that didn't matter that much. She wanted everything perfect. And she's freaking out saying, Jesus, get Mary to help me out. She's lazy, she's not doing anything. And all I want the house to be just perfect because you're here, Jesus. And Jesus looks on and says to Martha in Luke 10, verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This isn't worth getting upset about. Is it worth my concern? So many of us, because of our inflated egos, we're trying to control things that don't matter that much. That a month from now, it's not gonna matter a lick. So I would ask you, does it really, really matter if someone doesn't fold the towels just right? I just set someone's future free. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit right now. Does it really matter if your grade school son goes off to school and his hair is not combed perfectly? Will that alter his chance to get into Harvard one day? Will it send him to hell or to jail or both? Now, does it really, really matter? Does it really matter, guys, if your wife comes back and leaves trash in your perfect car? Some of you go, well, Pastor Greg, that does matter. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Does it really, really matter? Get your panties out of your you know, loosen up is not that big of a deal. Is it worth my concern? Everybody ask that question. Come on, one, two, three. Is it worth my concern? For example, out of my own life, 
Um, I've always wanted to have a nice yard. Always wanted to have a nice yard. But I never understood like when to fertilize, when to put down seed, how much to water. And so I just never had a nice yard. Well, a uh, really cool guy from our church is helping me with my yard. And so he puts down seed at a certain time and says water this much and here's the right kind of fertilizer. And, here, and it's the most amazing thing. It's like there's actually green grass with no weeds and it's incredible. And for the first time in my life, I drive up and I have this nice yard. Well, the problem is I've got two sons that love to play soccer. And the only place in our very tree-ish yard that they can play is right in my very front, most beautiful part of the yard. And so right there in my dream come true yard, there is the biggest, ugliest dead spot you have ever seen. Pristine Garden of Eden beauty with this dead spot from where my two sons play soccer. Well, I'm just beside myself. Love my kids, but by golly, I want a nice yard, okay? Finally, it dawned on me, and I mean like deeply dawned on me, that I need to embrace the dead spot with everything in me. Embrace it, love it, fall in love with it, thank God for it. Because one day, I'm gonna have grass in that spot, and I'm gonna have a beautiful yard, and no boys in my front yard playing soccer. Embrace the dead spot. Is it really worth my concern to have grass there when I've got the greatest blessing, two kids playing together every single day? Is, is it really worth getting upset about? Is it worth my concern? Ask yourself, when you're trying to control something, ask yourself, is it worth my concern? Second question we're gonna ask is, is it mine to control? Everybody ask it aloud. All of our different churches, come on. You guys in, uh, in Albany, New York, say it aloud. Is it mine to control? And the answer is sometimes yes. It's yours to control. There's something for you to do about it. There are other times the answer is no. Because surrendering control is not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. Those are different things. You should still be responsible when you can. For example, if you are messed up financially, you should still cut back on your spending. Can you do something about it? Absolutely you can. You can learn to budget. You can get a mentor. You can cut up your credit cards. You can do something about it. If your marriage is messed up, can you do something about it? Absolutely. You can pray together. You can join a life group and have others speak into your marriage. You can initiate counseling. You can start doing a version reading plan together. You can have date nights together. You can do something about it. If you're a guy and you haven't been on a date in seven years, do you just trust God with it? Well, yes, but also do something about it. Get involved in church, go somewhere, take a bath for God's sake, brush your <laughs> teeth, put on some deodorant, sell your Xbox, get out of your house, have a life, smile at girls, ask them out. Can you do something about it? Yes, you can do something about it. But there are some things that you just cannot control. And you ask yourself, is it mine to control? Is it mine? And there are some things you're gonna have to say, no, not at all. These things are not for me to control. In fact, James chapter four, verse 13 and 14 shows very clearly, there are some things in which we have no control over whatsoever. James says to us control freaks, now listen you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, you think you can 
iron everything out. You can plan it all out. You just know exactly what's going to happen. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even control tomorrow. How do you think you can control even a year from now? So you ask myself, is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or if you're taking notes, is it for God alone? Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God alone? Ask those questions over and over and over again. Is it worth my concern? Hey, embrace the dead spot. Get over it. Is it mine to control? If I can do something about it, I will. Or is it for God alone? In fact, Paul told the Philippians something very powerful in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He said, don't be anxious about what? All of our churches say it aloud. Don't be anxious about anything. How many of you are anxious about something? When are you anxious? When you're trying to control something that is not yours to control. Don't be anxious about anything, but in what, he says, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. What do you do, everybody? Say it aloud. What do you do? You present your request to God. You give it to God. You trust it to God. You lay down your concern to God. You surrender it to God. And when you do, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, you give it to God. What does Scripture say will happen? Scripture says, and the what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. When you give it to God, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you try to control something you can't control, you're anxious. But when you give it to God, you have peace. So many of us, because of our ego, we're trying to control it, and we're stressed and worried and anxious and consumed with fear because we're trying to control something that's really for God alone. When you surrender it to God, he gives you peace. So here's some application questions I wanna ask you, and you say aloud yes or no. Can you change your spouse? Okay, some of you, this is not a trick question. No, you're like, well, I think I can. No, you can't, okay? No, you can't. You can love your spouse, you can pray for your spouse, you can encourage your spouse but you can't change your spouse. So what do you do? If your spouse needs changing, you love them, pray for them, and you trust them to God. You stop trying to control and you trust them to God. Can you heal your loved one that is sick? Can you do that? No. Can God do that? Yes. So what can you do? You can pray for them, you can encourage them, you can help them get good medical advice, and then ultimately what do you do? You trust them to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you control your future or the future of your children or the future of anyone that you love? Can you control the future? No. What, what can you do? You can pray, you can plan, you can give wise counsel, you can make wise decisions. Does God control the future of those you love? The answer is yes, and so what do you do? You give it to God. I want you to think for a minute about um, Abraham. What did he want more than anything else? a son. What did God give him? A son. 
What did God ask him to sacrifice? His son. For those of you that maybe didn't grow up in the church world or know this story, most amazing thing, God promises him a son and then asks him to lay down the life of his son. It's crazy. It's mind-boggling. It's a, it's a story that makes me nauseous to think about. And so this father, who for years and years prayed for a son, tells his son, we're going to go up to the top of Mount Moriah and we're going to make a sacrifice. And the son carries the, the wood and, and they're walking up and maybe holding hands and, and the son looks up and says, Daddy, um, where's the animal for the sacrifice? And Abram looks at his son that he loves more than anything in the world and says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And the guy who wanted to control everything walks up to the top. Builds an altar and takes his son and puts him on the altar. Raises a knife to sacrifice his son and an angel says, don't lay a hand on him. I see you trust God. And Abram looks over in the bushes and there's a ram right by the spot of the sacrifice. And scripture says in verse 13 of Genesis 22, Abram went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abram called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. When Abraham finally surrendered control of that which he wanted most, he saw the miraculous provision of God. When he stopped edging God out, but instead started exalting God only, he surrendered what he valued most, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding guarded his heart and his mind because the Lord provided. I came to tell somebody today you're trying to control something that's not yours to control. And when you try to control what's not yours to control, you will be filled with anxiety. But when you take what belongs to God only and you lay it down on his altar, you will know God as Jehovah Jireh, which means he is I, our provider, that he will provide everything you need because we are not God and we shouldn't edge him out. But we lay down even what we think we want so God can ultimately give us what we need. I will not be in control. I trust God with those things that belong to him. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, today we pray that you would set some people free. God, that you would minister to us deep within our hearts. And God, instead of edging you out, we would trust you completely. As you pray today at all of our different churches, there are some of you, you recognize, oh man, I didn't realize I had such a problem with this, but I really do, I'm trying to control this or that or someone's idea of me or my image or some people or certain circumstances. And today by faith, I wanna to give this to God. 
Is it your concern? Some of you, you need to let something go. It doesn't really matter. Let it go. Embrace the dead spot. Some of you, is it mind to control? If it is, do something about it. If it's not, then it's God's alone. And today, by faith, you're going to give it to him. All of our different churches today, those of you who would say there is something I'm trying to control, it's really outside of my jurisdiction, I am anxious about it, and I want the peace of God by faith today. I put it on his altar. I lay down my need to control and trust it to God. Would you lift up your hands right now if that's you? All of our different churches, just in a moment of faith, all of our different churches, hands raised all over the place. God, thank you for those today who, um, who are exalting you at this moment instead of edging you out. I pray, God, that um, we would trust you and give what we're trying to control to you. Not take it back, but give it to you. God, to, to believe that you are sovereign and you are good and you have plans for us. Even when we don't understand, God, we choose to trust you. God, I thank you today by faith that as there are those who, maybe for the first time ever, are trusting something to you, God, I thank you that the peace that you provide that goes beyond our human ability to understand, it will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I've got really good news for a bunch of you. Um, you've been trying to do what is maybe one of the most common problems that, that um, people around the world for centuries have tried to do, and that is you're trying to be in complete control of your life. When it comes to spiritual things, I know for me, I wanted to be in control of where I stood before God. Growing up, I thought, hey, I'm gonna try to be good and not be bad so I can, so I can win the approval of God. And, and, and if you've ever felt like that, what I wanna tell you is, is you could never, ever accomplish that. Our problem is we are not in control of God's standard. His standard is perfection, and we all fall grossly short. God said that our sin, it separates us from him. And the only way we can be made right with him is to surrender completely all control to Jesus, trust in him who was perfect, he, him who was without sin, him who died on the cross and rose again so we could be forgiven. There are those of you that you need to surrender to him as the savior of your life, you can't save yourself. Some of you, you need to take a step even beyond that and say, not only will he save me, but I want him to be the Lord of my life. Not just Savior, which is more self-centered, but the Lord, which is God-centered. I, I want to serve him only. Here's the reality. If you're gonna call yourself a Christian, listen carefully. If you're gonna call yourself a Christian, you cannot be in control because to follow Jesus is to surrender control of your life to him. At all of our different churches, there are those of you, you realize, I need to trust my life to God through Christ. I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness. I don't wanna just make him just the savior of my life, but I truly wanna surrender my life to his lordship under his control and his direction. I want him to lead me and my life to count for him. All of our different churches, there are those of you who say, yes, today I surrender to him. I give my life to him. Savior and Lord, I give my life completely to him. Would you lift your hands high right now? All over the place, lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer right here in the middle section and right up here, here as well. God bless you. Others of you, I just want to look at you and see you, both of you right over here and sir, right here. Praise God for you, man. Bless you. 
Others of you who say, me too, way back over here in this section, God bless you guys. Man, right here in this middle section, right back over here, sir, praise God for you. Others of you today, right back here in the back. Church online, you click right below me. Right back over here in this back section, yes, I surrender completely to you. Would all of you pray with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. You are my savior, you are my Lord, my life belongs to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big time? Welcome those today born into God's family. Don't ever take this for granted, new life in Christ Jesus.